0: And we're back with episode 38 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with your co-host. Russ. And today, Russ, you know, been a little banged up, been a little off the air for a while, but we're back today. Obviously, two days ago, we witnessed one of the more heartbreaking losses for this team. The 29-game win streak snapped. Russ, just give me your initial thoughts on the game. Give me your initial thoughts on the officiating and kind of tell me where you think this game went south for the Dogs.
1: I think, um, in ways we kind of, uh, we kind of beat ourselves. Um, but in ways there were the officials kind of took over the game and messed up some things for us. Um, all night the holding Alabama's O-line was holding our D-line so bad all night. Did not get a call. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, the dropped catch on, was that fourth down or third down?
0: I it guess. was fourth. Fourth down. Yeah. So, that's a turnover
1: on downs. Um, but they had to review Arian Smith's catch. and yeah. uh, But, you know, that's not the only thing that beat us. Obviously, you know, we had to fumble on, like, the 10-yard line. Um, what? Uh, I'm blanking fumbled the all-sides penalty, which is debatable. because no,
0: The crappy punt, too, that like in the first half gave him the ball on like the 43-yard line on our 43 yeah. and then just set up a field goal.
1: The thing is, I mean, you just can't make crucial mistakes against Alabama like that. They're just going to take it and run with it, and that's all there is to it. You've got to play them as perfect as you can or they're going to find a way to beat you. And that's what happened, you know. Um, do I think they deserve to be in the playoffs? Um, I think they're uh, one of the one of the four best teams, but I don't think they deserve to be in over Florida State uh, because Florida State was undefeated, and just because they don't have their quarterback doesn't
0: mean you know they're just terrible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean. In my eyes, what I saw in that game, and a lot of people are complaining about officiating, and was it a great call? Was it a well-called game? No, it wasn't. Were there a lot of miscalls? calls? Yes, but I think that that fourth down play is crucial. Obviously, if you get that call overturned, which it would have been questionable, and they may have not overturned it if they reviewed it because they called it a catch on the field, so there had to be some irrefutable evidence against it, but... To me, what really cost this team the game was, you know, I thought they played, and everybody, people were complaining in the stadium, oh, this defense, this defense can't get a stop, which in the first half Alabama really did what they wanted offensively for a couple drives. But, I mean, you know, you give up 27 on the scoreboard, but in reality you give up 21 points. You know, you turn the ball over inside your own 15-yard line, that's not on your defense. Your punter, Brett Brett Thorson, who's punted very well over the last years, shakes a punt, and they get the ball on on your 45, 42, whatever, whatever yard marker it was, and then that sets up another field goal for them. So it's not all on this defense. I didn't expect that offense to go out and get shut out. Not shut out, but play as poorly as they did. Really the thing to me that really frustrated me the most was that you know, I feel like Georgia kind of went away from their identity that they found in the last couple games, and I feel like that hurt them. I felt like they tried to to out outthink Alabama, outthink Nick Saban, and by doing that, they hurt themselves offensively. They hurt themselves. Really, the main part that really I thought they hurt themselves in was short yardage.
1: Yeah, just not being able to convert. You know, I struggle with that a little bit I during mean, the regular season. Yeah. Stuff
0: like that. And I and I love Dejon Edwards, and I think he's a great back. But Kendall Milton, I mean, it's hard to deny what he's been doing the past month of the season and all the work he's put in and really just a phenomenal couple of games he's had. And I don't see how you go to him on your first drive and he breaks a, like, 25-yard touchdown run, and then you just – you go away from your inside run game, and then every single time you're third and one, third and two, third and three – you know, we ran the same same exact pitch play, just pitch it out, pitch it out, which I mean that's fine if it's gonna work. But I mean I think Alabama second I think Alabama's defense is strongest in that secondary. And they came up and made yeah, plays the, and they stopped it.
1: The pitch play was definitely not um uh, the best third down calls for Georgia. Um, what do you think about um Alabama being, you know, in the playoffs and and you know, the playoffs in general?
0: in my mind do i think alabama is one of the best four teams no doubt but i don't think the playoff is so much of a best four teams more like a most deserving teams the top four teams that deserve it the most and i get it i think alabama's going to win the national title this isn't a debate on whether they deserve whether they're going to win or not i think they're going to wipe the floor with michigan i think they'll beat texas if they play texas again or washington i don't think it matters but in my mind, you have a team that got beat by 10 points at home. They did win the SEC, but the SEC kind of had a down year this year. And, and I think they have the best win out of anybody else, but a 13-0 Florida State team that did everything they were supposed to do, has the big win over LSU, beats Louisville. It wasn't pretty, but it was dominant. You know, I think that's where a lot of people are kind of – upset about or they're like or these people who are on this Alabama they're like well they only won by 10 against Louisville well it was dominant it was not a ball game at any point in that game did anybody go oh I think Louisville's in this one no it was clear from the beginning Florida State was going to win that football game and I think if we use the same logic as for letting Alabama in I think Georgia should have been in too then if we're going to go with the best four then get Washington out of there too and make it Michigan Georgia Bama Texas and I don't yeah, well, I don't think that you go ahead.
1: Well they they're putting Washington in there because Penix is, you know, Heisman candidate and you know all this stuff. So they're they're obviously gonna put Washington in there just because they had a you know a spectacular year, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um beating Oregon being their pretty much, you know, biggest win, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I don't think you know, I think for Florida State fans and for Florida State, I think there's really only one. I don't think you can blame the committee because either either way they win. If they put Florida State in, if they put Alabama in, somebody's going to be left out. And somebody's going to be mad. I think you have to be mad if you're Florida State. You got to be mad with TCU. The committee, like everybody today's on all sort on all sports talk radio, has been like, "Oh, there's no bias. There's no bias. There's no there's no agenda for the committee." And that's just that's just a lie. The College Football Playoff Committee last year put in TCU, which is a smaller brand, smaller school, not really a football school, not not a lot of tradition there. And TCU got beat sixty-five to seven in the national championship. Make no mistake, if Florida, if Florida State got in and played Michigan, I don't think it would be an extremely close ball game. I don't think it'd be a highly as highly of anticipated as a ball game as Michigan versus Alabama in Pasadena, California will be. And I think that that's part of the part of the issue and I think that's part of the reason why they got left out. I think they deserve it, but I think the committee is more concerned about kind of building the two best games or building two games that are gonna be watched more than two games more than a game that isn't. And I think that's that's the main reason why Florida State's playing in the Orange Bowl against Georgia and they're not playing in a Rose Bowl. Um
1: you know that's That's a good take, and I I really I agree with you. And uh, you know, Florida Florida State's going to take on Georgia in the Orange Bowl. I mean, what do you expect to see from this Georgia team um, after a loss in the SEC Championship and missing the playoffs?
0: You know, I think you're going to see two dejected teams come out and play. I don't even know if I'll, I'll watch the game, but not very closely. Um, I think you're going to see two heartbroken teams. Obviously, Florida State probably more so than Georgia, but you know, Georgia's already got. There's a list of guys expected to sit. I think that you know, if people complain all you know they these guys shouldn't be sitting for bowl games. Brock Bowers shouldn't play in this game. Lad McConkey shouldn't play in this game. All your top guys, Javon Bullard, Kamara, they shouldn't be playing in this ball game because this game doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything for their legacy. Winning the Orange Bowl does not mean anything for the guys that have won two titles, multi-time All-Americans. It doesn't mean anything for them. And obviously in this game, I think it can either go one or two ways. I think Georgia could come out and play like the Georgia team that we've seen all year. And I think they could realistically kill Florida State. But I don't think that will happen. I think it will be a relatively close game. Just kind of some, just kind of ugly football. You'll see a lot of your – your young guys, you'll see a lot of guys play that really haven't got a whole lot of time all year because there's going to be so many guys sitting. And I think it'll be a good learning opportunity for this team and really help, if they win, a really big kind of boost going into next season, going into 2024.
1: And, you know, as we're winding down this season, we see, you know, the end of Brock Bowers at Georgia. Um, how is he? his loss going to affect the team?
0: Um, I think he's – you know, there's a there's an argument that he's – I think he's definitely – you know, you have Herschel Walker, your Heisman winner, but I think he's the second best Bulldog all time. I think he's the best football player. Not the best at a position. I think he's the best football player to come through the University of Georgia with all the stuff he's done, whether it's through his blocking, through his pass catching, running the football. I mean, he's done everything for the past three seasons. What I hate is that he didn't get to go out – on the biggest stage. He got to go out in Atlanta. You know, he's been battling injuries all really the second half of the season. And, you know, and he's made some big time plays and he's played a big role in these games, but he really hadn't been a hundred percent. Um, And really, I just feel, you know, I'm just grateful to have a player of that caliber to have an all time player at the position and just see somebody be so dominant over the past two years, really three years. And I'm just, You know it's sad to see him go, but you're also I'm also at the same time excited to see what he's going to do at the next level, and I'm excited to see where he ends up and who ends up really using him to his full potential.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know it's always you know next man up at the University of
0: Georgia. So I didn't even answer your question. I'm sorry. I to me, I don't think I think Oscar Delp is going to be a very good tight end next year. I think he's learned a lot this season um he's played a good bit of football i think he's going to be um a key piece next year i think Lawson Lucky's going to make big strides Pierce Butler's going to play more football i think this team will be fine without him it's hard to say right now cuz we haven't really seen them we really don't know what Jordan's going to have left depending on who declares for the draft who stays who enters the portal um i think Jordan has a surplus of weapons i think they i think they'll be fine i think they'll make it,
1: it is is there any um particular position that you're looking forward to see or player you know next year um and you know over the course of the spring and all that
0: um i' definitely say i'd I'd probably say two guys or really three um michael Williams. Marvin Jones, Jr., and I'd say Malachi Starks. Um, Mike Michael, obviously, he had the sensational freshman year. You know, he's splitting time this year, battling some more injuries. Um, he missed some time in the spring with injury. Um, but, you know, this year's going to be kind of his – you can call it his money year. You know, if he, if he has a really big year in 2024, he's going to be a high draft pick. I think, you know, he's circled on scouts boards as a big-time, big-name guy. Um, Marvin Jones Jr., you know, he really hadn't gotten on the field as much as I would have liked him to this year, but he's, when he's been on the field, he's made some big time plays. I think, you know, his versatility as an outside linebacker and edge rusher is kind of, is unique to him. You know, he's got great speed and he's got great talent. And then Malachi Starks, you know, he's been a day one starter since he came in the program. Really this, you know, a lot of people are talking about losing Brock and, You know, all that. The really the main thing that, you know, I'm gonna miss from this team, especially in 2023, is just like the unbelievable secondary you had. Really the trio of Kamari Lass or I'd say Quartet, the Kamari Lassiter, Malachi Starks, Javon Bullard, and Tyke Smith. You know, those are four all American caliber players. And the, you know, you didn't have the defensive line or the front seven that you've had in the past two seasons, but this secondary you've had this year has been unbelievable on all levels.
1: Are you looking at, you know, any, any players that, uh, you know, potentially first-rounders, I mean, like in the draft, who, who do you think is um, first-round, second-round talent, you know, stuff like that?
0: Um, I think Brock Bowers is the clear-cut, your first-round guy. I think Amarius Mims, if he declares, will pick up some steam heading into the draft just based off his sheer size and talent. Um, Then there's some borderline guys that I really don't know, and it's all kind of depending on how they perform at the combine. Um, I I think Kamara Lasseter will end up being a first-round pick. I mean, he's been unbelievable these past two seasons. And then there's guys like Ladd who, you know, they've been kind of – you know, he hadn't really gotten to fully display his skills all year due to injury, but we know who he is as a football player, and I think he'll end up being – a second round or third round pick. Um, and then Javon Bullard, I think he's a first round or second round pick on that defense. But yeah, I think it'll really shape up more as we get closer to the draft and definitely as we close out these last two big ball games, because really a lot of stuff can happen in these last two games and there can be guys that make their make names for themselves in these playoff games that everybody on who anybody who likes football is gonna be watching. So We really don't know just yet, but it'll be – I definitely would say three Bulldogs, um, Brock, Mims, and Kamari. Those are my three that I think will go in the first round. What about you? I like
1: your picks. Um, Bullard probably, I mean, borderline. um, But other than that – I think that's about everybody. I'm not forgetting anybody.
0: Here's my question for you, Russ. Now that we're sitting here, you know, the 2023 season's basically over. Give me a word. Give me a phrase. Give me Give me your reaction to this season. Is it a success? Is it a failure? What do you think about the job that Kirby's done? And I guess this is year seven? Are you eight?
1: Well, listen. You know, it's uh, it's not the outcome that everybody um was hoping for, and maybe expected. Um, but it's one of those stepping stones that you got to get over. Um, to be a dominant dynasty in college football, uh, Kirby is doing an amazing job at bringing in guys and making guys commit to the program, and I love that. And uh, as long as Kirby's at Georgia, I think we're in good hands. And, uh, you know, I don't think this season was at all uh, a bad season. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those seasons that's just not quite what you want it to be. Um, but, yeah, I think I think next year, uh, you know, tougher schedule, or they would say, you know, but – We're looking to go back to the playoffs next year
0: and make a run ahead. It's – I mean, I think it's something that, you know, we've grown and, you know, we're spoiled as Georgia fans these past two seasons to see two, two title teams and to win two titles when they haven't won a title in 40 years. And, you know, I think Kirby Smart has done the best job with this program and transforming it into something where it is now a dynasty. It's now a powerhouse. And I I don't think this season is a disappointment or anything like that. I think the college football playoff only admitting four teams a year is the biggest disappointment for this team this year because I don't want to make the mistake about it. I think that Georgia has the best – Top to bottom roster in college football. I think if Georgia got in, and even if Alabama's in there again, I think Georgia would beat them. I think this team is too good to lose another game. Fully healthy, I think, and I, you know, I think that if this is a twelve-team playoff, if this same scenario happened next season, I think Georgia's winning three in a row. Yeah,
1: the the twelve-team playoff for Georgia is is like the best thing that could happen yeah um, just because
0: we're always right there, like you know on the cusp are are they gonna get in are they not gonna get in? Georgia's gonna be a top twelve team for
1: the next twenty years, yep, and that's we're gonna be in the playoffs every single year,
0: yeah, and I think that watching i mean this team you know uh, the growth in it, the development in it, I don't think I think it's hard to deny you know, what this team was in week three against South Carolina versus what they are now. I mean, it's undeniable how much better this team's gotten. And I think you can attribute it all to Kirby and his system and his work ethic and what his staff has done. And, you know, I d de- some people are out there, you know, I can't believe it. we're not in the playoff. You know, this year wasn't this. This year what I couldn't be more proud of this team. I couldn't be more proud of what they've accomplished the last three seasons. And I think that Winning twenty nine straight games is is the most remarkable thing that I could have ever imagined as a Georgia fan. You know, holding the SEC all time record and seeing all these wins just piled one on top of the other. I think, and what is he like forty four or like forty two and two in his last like four? He's like forty three and two in his last forty five. That's unbelievable, and I couldn't be more proud of it.
1: Yeah, uh, no disappointments in in the team at all for me.
0: Well, Russ, that's going to be it for today's episode of Dog Football Weekly. We hope you enjoy.